Welcome to episode 128 of Crack the Customer Code. Thanks to Audible.com for sponsoring this episode. Get your free audiobook and a 30-day free trial as a listener to this podcast by visiting audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm here with my co-host and ally in the war against bad customer experiences, Adam Toporek. Adam, how are you? Ah, you are an ally. We're part of the <laughs> ally of uh, the Alliance of Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, careful, careful. <laughs> the Alliance of Good Customer Service. The War Room is my blog. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Underground Bunker is your blog. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. s- switching from spore, uh, war to another less <laughs> violent form of uh, competition, let's talk about sports a little bit, Jeannie. Yeah. it's You know I love talking about it, and uh, I think we, we got some really interesting behind-the-scenes view of what happens to make us fans today. Yes, we did. Uh, Christiane Harder was with us, and she had so many cool insights about what we call the fan experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she leads up the digital fan experience, which is a huge part of anybody who attends or is part of, you know, rooting for a sports team now. And this was really interesting timing because we actually recorded this right before the Copa America Centenario tournament started, which is what she was really representing on behalf of U.S. soccer. And it's one of the biggest it's the, one of the world's biggest soccer tournaments out there. And so learning about that, learning about how they reach out to people. And if anybody is listening today, when this comes out, there's still time. The, the final is scheduled for June 26th. So you can check that out on, I believe, Univision and Fox Sports. It's a big deal. So everybody should check it out. Goal! Is that what that's that right? Yeah, a lot longer though. <laughs> Goal! Oh wow, that's pretty impressive. I'll have to work on that. We we have to get the recording of the actual guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we've got a, a lot of deep stuff from Christiane, so let's go ahead and hear about her a little bit. Uh, Christiane is currently overseeing digital for the upcoming Copa America Centenario on behalf of U.S. Soccer. Christiane Harder is a longtime athletics communication strategist. Starting off in college football and team operations and recruiting, she now focuses on how fans interact with web, mobile, and social media. A graduate of UC Berkeley. Go Bears! (laughs) (laughs) Christiane also earned her Master in Intercollegiate Athletic Leadership from the University of Washington in 2010. Welcome, Christiane. We're so happy you're here with us. Thanks, guys. It was great to um, be invited, frankly. Well, hey, Christiane. So great to have you. And I love your story and I love the whole industry because it's not an industry I know a lot about. Jeannie always makes fun of me for my uh, (laughs) lack of sports fandom because she is a a diehard Chicago, you know, sports person. Um, And I think it's really interesting, the whole idea of someone leading the digital fan experience for an athletics organization is probably new to some of our listeners. So can you share a bit about what you define as digital fan experience and why it's important to the fan experience today? Sure. Um, So I think there's there's two pieces of it. There's the the social piece piece and the fan facing piece, which is more my role, um, which is the construction of, you know, the website, the mobile app, how social media tells the story. And then there's another side of digital, which is probably the piece that people don't like as much, which is, you know, the emails that you get advertising to you, um, paid social, you know, where money is, you get, 
know, those ads on Facebook where you're like, I don't follow this thing. Why are they telling me about it? Um, because people put a lot of money behind it. Um, I prefer to be on the side of, you know, how do we talk to fans and how do we tell our story? That's the, that's the big thing for me. Um, and so with this tournament and sort of my work history, a lot of it has been about what is the culture of either the sports team or the project? What is it that the fans expect to us? And how can we tell a story in a way that is going to be surprising to even people who are very familiar with that brand? And you're talking Um, about the Copa America uh, Centenario Tournament? (laughs) Copa America Centenario. It is the 100th anniversary of the South American Championship. Um, this, and it's very funny because it, it doesn't always evenly happen every four years, but, um, you know, things happen, <laughs> like, like world cups happen, right. other sporting events happen. So they had to move it around a little bit. So it's not even, but, um, <laughs> basically it's the Comnable, which oversees all the South American teams. And then they make an invitation to several, um, CONCACAF teams, which is the North American Federation. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple teams that can sort of uh, play their way in. And the United States um, is hosting this tournament for the 100th anniversary. We have been invited several times to play, but we're not a consistent invitee. But I think they thought for the 100th anniversary, let's do something very special um, and host it here. And so, for example, like nine of the stadiums are like NFL stadiums. Um, Wow. So, yeah, we're expecting, you know, thousands of people – from all over North and South America to come in. It's been a wonderful excuse, I think, for people to come to the United States, to visit family, to follow their team. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. I think it kind of crystallized for me when, um, you know, Fox Sports released their Kobe Bryant Copa video. You know, he's a huge, <laughs> huge soccer fan. And yeah. that video was so cool. Like, they did such a wonderful job. Um, and I think it really, for the first time in a lot of months, got into regular people's hands that this thing was coming. Um, so yeah, so I mean, not to say that the stories we've been telling haven't been, you know, really great, but I think they've really been speaking to the hardcore fan. And mm-hmm. so now it's, how do we talk to the person who's like, wait, you're coming to my city. Right. <laughs> and we play <laughs> soccer here. Oh my I don't, I don't know if it's that. I think it's just that, you know, for a lot of people, especially in the United States, European soccer is what they sort of attach themselves to. Um, and obviously the U S national team and a lot of these teams in South America, they've heard of them and they, they deal with them like during the world cup, you know, or like during the Olympics and they've heard some of the names, you know, you know, Messi and Suarez and, you know, like they've heard the names, but to actually know that they can go see these teams face off and that this is essentially a mini world cup taking place in the United States. I'm not sure that's completely sunk in now. On Friday, when we play, our, you know, the U.S. plays Colombia, and it's at Levi's, and Jason Derulo is the opening number, and <laughs> Pitbull just released a song, and like, it'll be like, wait a second, can I still get tickets to this? And I think right. that's when it's going to take off. Where every night on television, you know, on Fox, on Univision, this is what's taking over, mm-hmm. and amazing things are going to happen. I, I think that's when it all crystallizes for people. It's it's such an opportunity, I think, because in a way, you kind of have a blank slate, don't you? Like there's no story that we've already told here. here. And so, you know, what are some of the creative ways that you're connecting with fans on both those levels of the hardcore fan, like, uh, you know, my husband who loves (laughs) soccer, loves to watch soccer. (laughs) And, uh, 
Uh, yeah. So he knew all about this. He could probably pronounce it better than me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and then also the people who are more like me who have heard of some of these names. Um, in fact, Adam and I did a podcast about uh, River River Plate in in Argentina, that team and how they reached out to their fans. Um, oh. So I'm learning a little bit, but, you know, I don't know a whole bunch. So what are some of the techniques and ways that you're connecting with people? So my mantra throughout this entire experience is because, I, again, I recognize that we have, you know, our hardcores who are going to mm-hmm. come no matter what. But then we have this amazing opportunity to reach people that, you know, whether they're coming because it's in their city and they just like going to events, whether they're coming because they're very nationalistic or whether they're coming just because one of their friends got them a ticket. My thing is that I think that people don't want to be uninformed. Like they don't like going to things where they don't really know what's going to happen. And so my mantra through this has been to give people enough information to be dangerous. I just want to make sure that if you're in a bar and someone's like, who's that guy? You're like, oh, that's so-and-so. And And you know it because we've pretty much spoon fed it to you. (laughs) Um, That these are just the quick things that you need to know. These are the players need to know. This is why you need to know about them. And this is what's kind of going on. Um, So that's sort of the the point that we started at um, with the website and the mobile app and all of these things is to think about the fan who doesn't know anything and how do we cater to them. And with the fans that know everything, I'm sure they would appreciate that little bit of a refresher, but there will be so much stuff in there that's for them. I think people will sort of segment themselves out to the information that they want and the information that they need. Now, on the website, part of that is, you know, being very social. So, one of the things, and this took me more hours than I care to admit, um, <laughs> we went through all of the, so what happens basically is that the teams give you a 40-person roster. That is the group of players that they can select their actual starting 23. I went through for 16 teams, 40 players, and went through everybody's social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram, do the math. and using Spreadfast, which is a a social media publishing and monitoring platform, built visualizations of their Twitter accounts. Now, each of these, like, I'm really good at this. Like, I can do it very fast. Um, But the time it takes to go looking for their Twitter or Instagram account to verify that it's real and to also make a judgment call about whether or not they are actively posting. Because, like, for a lot of these players, you know, maybe they posted – a few years ago, but they're just not very active on it right now. Mm-hmm. And with Twitter, you can't go back. Like when, right. you, when you pull in their Twitter account and it's from a third party, you can't historically pull in information. It starts the day that you do the visualization. So if you're looking at a player who like posts, you know, like once a week, okay, we're fine. If you're looking at a player who the last time they posted was six months ago, the likelihood that they are going to tweet you know, throughout the tournament is very small and you don't want someone to go to their page and not see anything mm-hmm. because my idea was, you know, I want people to see these players using their own words and what is better than the, you know, the tweets that they send out or the Instagram things that they post to see what their lives are, who they're married to, what their family looks like, who their friends are, what their activities are. Um, so on every and you can actually see that um, at least on the team pages right now. Oh, yeah. And also in the, um, the, the general roster, we haven't updated with their headshots yet. But if you go to any of those pages, they either have the stream of the national team, which is my replacement if they don't have accounts, um, or their personal Twitter and Instagram feeds. 
Um, so that was kind of my way of being like, this is who you're going to be paying attention to. This is who is important. Um, second to that, we also added a lot of components that were socially shareable. Um, so in its, there's been several iterations of the website sort of grown um, as we move through the life cycle of the tournament. But in the very beginning when you went to the website, it asked you, who is your team? And you know, you could star it or like it, and then you could share out to your social networks. Like, this is who I'm supporting in Copa America. And actually, there's a great story with that because Haiti was one of those teams that played in. They were an automatic invitation. They had to qualify in. And on Sunday, they just qualified on like Friday night. Sunday morning, I get a message from one of my colleagues and he's like, I think the website is broken. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, Haiti has 10,000 like <laughs> likes. And I'm like, wait, what? Because in comparison, like the US had like 8,000, everyone else had like 3,000. <laughs> and they had just, wow. had, and that had been open for like a month. Like wow. other teams had like more than a month to like get their numbers up. And in one weekend, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, this is, wait. And so I jokingly put that out on Facebook, like, mm-hmm. you know, Haiti is ready to go. And, and I'm like, you know, this is amazing in three days. And someone, a Haitian fan was like, we represent our team. Like, wow. As, like as soon as we're in, we are in. And like they, rec- we did this thing. So speaking of things fun for the fans, the two big things I wanted on the mobile app, um, the first thing was like a face paint. Originally it was supposed to be, um, I was thinking more like little kids and how, you know, those apps where they can draw on their phone. Mm-hmm. It's like you can amuse a kid for hours with that. That was initially my plan, but the functionality was very expensive to implement. Luckily, in the last three weeks, we have just struck up a deal with a, an app called Masquerade that essentially does that. So you're going to get it one way or the other, which is <laughs> a great thing. But I wanted that. And then the other thing I wanted was, um, you know, every team has a song or a chant mm-hmm. or a cheer or something that they say you know, during this tournament. And I felt like in the beginning when we were doing ticketing, it was venue passes. So like, for example, if you lived in San Francisco and you wanted to go to the Levi's games, you could only buy the pack of Levi's games. You couldn't just buy one of them. Now we changed that as we moved through the tournament. But in my head, I was like, okay, if you're being forced to go to three games, one you're probably really into, one you're kind of like, okay, and one that you don't know any of the teams, it would be helpful if you knew what the heck they were saying so mm-hmm. that when you're sitting in your seat and they start to go, you can participate and you know what the cheer is, you know what it sounds like, and you know what it means in English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we did that. We talked to a company called Fan Chance. They're based in the UK. They have audio files of most of the teams and they gave us permission to use them in the app. So when you go into the app and you go into a team page, you're going to get the team social feed and you're going to be able to get to know one of these chants or cheers. And we've got it in your language. So when you sign in, if you've got a phone that is set in Spanish, the lyrics will be in Spanish for you in addition to, you know, what they are normally. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, we've got a Brazilian team, we've got Haiti, which is French Creole, the U S um, so it'll respond to your language, but you can go in there and check out the chants and the cheers and Haiti recorded a song. <laughs> we did not have a chant or cheer. We didn't I have one. I love it. And they went and rec- so did Jamaica, actually. The Jamaica song is very, uh, it's very, it's really fun. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that. That enthusiasm from them that was like, we're so excited to do this. We're going to record a song for you right. that you can play in this thing. So, I mean, I, I love I, the dedication so of the fans, too. I, That's so fantastic. I'm start. They're like, my Haiti and Jamaica are like my second and third 
you know, teams in this. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so excited to be here. And, and don't get me wrong, like Jamaica just took down Chile the other night, mm-hmm. which is like, that was not expected in the slightest. Like these teams are coming to play. This means right. something to be, right. you know, the champion of South America. Even if I know there are some teams that are like, oh, we just had Copa America last year. But like you get to bring home the 100th anniversary trophy. Like that's not going to be passed on to somebody else. That is yours. Mm-hmm. It's huge. So like they're getting up for it, you know, and I, I just, I like to support the underdog and I just, I love that they recorded <laughs> a song. They rec- recorded us a song. Like how great is that? That's so wonderful. That's it, amazing. I know. You should really check it out. Like if you download the mobile app, it's at, um, you know, the Google Play store and the iTunes store, just like for Copa America. Um, and then when you go in and look at the matches, if you just hit the crest of any team that you're interested in, you'll be able to see the social pages and the songs and, you know, you do your face paint and all of that. So <laughs> really, I just, I know that in general, there are certain things that are required of a mobile app, mm-hmm. which is fine. But what, what well, my point is, what can we do? Because I'm, why would you spend, you know, somewhere between 700 and a million dollars to build a mobile app? If it's just going to be a carbon copy of your website, like websites are mobile responsive. You don't need Mm -hmm. to build an app. So if you're going to, what is the justification? The justification has to be that you've planned out, you know, a few very special components that are going to make that app worthwhile. Well, that's, you know, what's interesting, Christian, is, you know, we talk about teams and how they manage their social. And Gina and and I have talked about UFC, which we were joking about me not watching sports, but that's the sport I I watch the most. UFC is killer on social. Oh, they're amazing. They, They, They are amazing. And they have such a unique business model because, you know, they, they put all this energy and time into this one event and, you know, the ankle gets broken a week before and it's a new event. It's incre- <laughs> I mean, their, their business model is just risk upon risk. It's insane. But what's interesting with what you were describing, and I'm really curious, this is sort of a tactical question, mm-hmm. is where do the lines, the, who owns the digital fan? Because you're representing the organization as a whole. And I would imagine, yes. you know, the individual stars, you know, where there are stars, they obviously all have their social accounts. They may even have PR teams for the bigger mm-hmm. players. The teams probably have their own social. So how does that whole mix work? And where do you, what does your organization fit in? And how, how, I guess, who owns the digital fan and in what way? Oh, so, okay. So this is how I like to think of at least sports social. Um, and it's different on Twitter than it is on Facebook. Um, I think that psychologically, and I could be wrong, um, you know, we are friends with people on Facebook and we have to accept them, the good and the bad right? Like, you know, it's your aunt. She just loves knitting and you might not love knitting. You love her. So you accept her, right? Player pages on Facebook are sort of seen as not real because they feel very managed. Twitter is very different because it feels like a one-on-one conversation. You follow people because you either care about them or what they have to say, or they're funny or whatever your reason is. But if you unfollow them, it's okay. No one knows. You know what I mean? Like we choose our Twitter following. We don't choose our Facebook family to a certain degree. So in the life cycle of, sorry, that's wrong. And in, in, in the ecosystem rather of Twitter, like people follow players first because it's person to person, right? Like they're sending out messages and they are talking about their lives. They're talking about you feel like you've got that very insidery access to both them and to the team, 
teams have information that you need. Yes, is it slightly structured? Yes, is it, you know, crafted? True, but you're still getting breaking news more so than you feel like on Facebook. So you've got the person, you have the team, and then you have the league. The league has the least amount of insider information and mostly they are having to support everybody, right? For COPA, we're kind of like a league. So my question then to the social media strategy and how I approach it is what is our value? We're not a player. So our, like we're in Chicago. Even though there will be games all over this country, we are in Chicago in the war room. We do not move. So any information we get has to be funneled back to us. So we can't get you the picture that nobody else can get unless, you know, a photographer is very sneaky. So forget that. We are not a team. So again, where there's a layer of barrier to information, we only get what the teams give us or what they push out themselves. So what is our value? What can we provide that makes a person say, I'm going to follow that COPA account? And when I thought about it, the first thing I thought about was that one, nobody really likes play-by-play. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like, a sporting event is on, and someone scores a touchdown, or someone scores a goal, and now, now you have an entire news feed with touchdown <laughs> and goal. Yes. <laughs> okay. So if I have 100 people, that's a low estimate, saying touchdown or goal, why am I saying touchdown and goal? What, what makes my contribution to this conversation more valuable than the sports writer the team account, or just somebody that's like known in the soccer world. Like what is the value that we bring? So in order to do that, what we have done is that there's a company called um, Data Factory. They are based out of Argentina. They have been doing statistics for Comnable for, I want to say 20 years, but I'm sure it's longer than that. We are going to have in our war room, two guys from Data Factory that are going to be feeding us contextually what these things on the field mean who these people are, why is this relevant? And so we're, we're kind of being an education front for the fan. So we're not tweeting out goal, but we're going to be tweeting out why that goal is important. Does it mean that this team will now advance? Is this a milestone for one of the players? Is this person, like, do they have a previous relationship with the goalkeeper? Like, why, why does this matter is the big question. Every tweet has to be justified with, will this take the conversation a step forward? If you're just tweeting to tweet, there are a lot of people who do that. Are we providing a graphic? Are we providing a video? Do we have a statistic? Do we have something that will take the conversation a step further, educate the fan base and be something that no other account talking about Copa America or that game is going to be putting out? So that, that's where we're coming from, that we are, it's hashtag here to help, which I've used in every job I've ever done social. <laughs> we are here to help. We are here to educate. That is the value of the COPA account, is having the statisticians there, having the great graphic designers there to produce beautiful graphics, having, you know, that video team, like, and, and so that's, that's our value as an account to the fan. Because you could get tons of stuff from a million other people, but we have to justify our existence and you following us. So this, I could talk about this all day because I, <laughs> I am a sports fan. And I think one thing that has evolved just in like my own life in attending these things is that now, like I just went to the Cubs game on Monday with my family on Memorial Day. 
And of course, I'm like, well, we have to take a selfie. (laughs) And we have like, there are certain things that now it's just part of the whole experience. And so I think considering the digital fan experience and the digital customer experience for these types of things is really, really fascinating. And we are um, in this world that's evolving. So I'm curious, like, do you have one takeaway for folks who are kind of dealing with this digital customer experience overall? Um, and, you know, what's one thing that you think everybody should consider moving forward to be innovative, to be creative and to connect with their customers like you're doing with the fans? I mean, the biggest thing that I can think about is that, you know, your hardcores are going to be with you, you know, cause we, I think, and you'll realize this being a Cubs fan, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's a when, certain, there's a certain element to being a Cubs fan. You just, but wins and maybe. losses matter to you, but your fandom is deeper than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're going to get frustrated if your team isn't playing well. And if you're winning, everybody loves you. doesn't matter what you do, but we have to start talking to the people who have a, I don't want to say a casual interest, but like, I think at times we speak too much because we're, we realize that there's a certain um, flexibility in the fandom of those, you know, interested fans, but not all in fans. And so we want to invest our dollars in the fans that have always been there for us. And that's great. But at some point, if you keep relying on the same people that have always been there, they're either going to move on or die out or not. Like you have to find a way to develop the new fan, even if you're not winning. Even if you're not, like, how do you reach out to them? How do you segment your populations so that you're talking to them? And I think we just get very comfortable because, you know, social, as much as it's like, you know, very prevalent in this society, I'm not sure we're dedicating enough staff to it. And what I mean by that is that I, as a singular person, can only do so much during the day and my creativity will get tapped really easily. When you add a second person to your staff, the content becomes better because you have two people bouncing ideas off each other. When you add a third person to your staff, all of a sudden you can start speaking to the populations that aren't being spoken to and start to develop them. And a lot of that has to go with targeting, which I'm discovering, at least on Facebook, is a really great way to be able to tell very specific stories to specific, you know, audiences that may not get the normal everyday feed because you know how the algorithm works. Like Mm -hmm. you get things if you interact with it meaningfully. But what about the person who wants to interact but isn't seeing stuff just because of that algorithm? If you target, they'll have a much higher chance of getting that. So I guess I've got a more complicated answer than I think you wanted. But one, (laughs) staffing up. So you have the number of people that you need to be able to tell the stories to different audiences that you have. And you have more people to have creative ideas and to bounce content off each other. Um, But also trying to find those fans that are sort of borderline and figuring out what's important to them. Because I think, especially when it comes to soccer, and especially in the U.S., um, there's, a sl- there's a slight wall that people have to get over to become an everyday fan. And I, I truly believe, and I know I said this last year at the Wilma speech, if they know you, they'll forgive you. Mm-hmm. If they don't, then they're immediately going to feed you to the wolves. And so how do we tell our story to people who don't know us that well to start to educate. And maybe they'll listen and maybe they won't, but at least try and reach them. And I think one of the beautiful things, at least about the U.S. soccer team, at this point, you have at least one, whether it's on the men's team or the women's team, one representative of almost every background that you could possibly think of. Mm -hmm. And we don't always, like, you know, I think we very much focus on, we try and focus on the Spanish-speaking audience 
and we try and focus, you know, on the people who are already with us and develop them. But every time you have a national event, whether it be a World Cup or even Copa this year, you're going to get a ton of bandwagon fans. You're going to get people who are like, oh my God, it's time for Copa and they're going to jump on. But what happens after Copa is over? How do we speak to them? I don't think, and this is something that, you know, I want to develop as we move on. You know, I don't think we talk to, you know, our Asian fans enough. I don't think we talk to our African-American fans enough. I don't, you know, we need to start really targeting messaging because we have players of all different backgrounds on these teams. Let's connect with them. The little boy who looks at the national team and sees Bobby Wood and is like, that could be me. And Bobby Wood is killing it, by the way. (laughs) So like, you know, we need to get that little boy who's like, I see myself on that team. That's a person I can be a fan of. That's a jersey, you know, that I can buy because Bobby Wood used to be a little boy just like me. You know, that it's not a sport that is only, you know, segmented out. You know, I think people are very aware, a strong soccer population for, you know, for the Latin culture. And, you know, the U.S. at this point, almost every little kid, you know, goes and plays on a soccer team. But like, how do we reach the populations that maybe don't feel totally included? Where do we find the people that they can connect to and build a fan base around those people? It's very much a cult of personality, especially in sports. Mm-hmm. So that's a very complicated answer. And I think no, it totally great. went all over there, but I just want to say USA, USA. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know it's going to be so much fun. I mean, the opening day, you know, we've got this great opening show. Jason Derulo is going to be rocking it. Um, you know, it's at Levi stadium, which is probably one of the most tricked out NFL stadiums ever. You know, it has its own night. It's Friday night. Um, Columbia. I just, I, I think it's going to be really, really wonderful. And then the next day we've got three games back to back and it's just going to be this, you know, let's just go. I mean, like the first game, you know, that Argentina plays is last year's final. Like Mm. that was the weirdest, craziest selection in the draw. And it's like, that game has so much passion behind it. Like people want revenge, you know, like there's all this stuff. Um, And I'm hoping that those storylines will start to appeal because at some point, you know, your team will get knocked out. Not everyone can make the final. So how do we also provide you with a secondary team to root for? Because once you're, it's all about Haiti. This is what I'm saying. I'm all about Haiti. <laughs> or Jamaica. Like they just, they're so exciting. So I, I, you know, I want everyone to do well. I can't actually take the losing part of this whole thing as much as I've been in sports for so many years. Like I don't want people to go home. I don't want them to lose. But like it's, it's the nature of this. I know it's terrible. It's so stupid. But I, you know, everyone has so many things to offer. So many stars. So many stories. They have their own history with Copa. You want them all to be successful, even if you know that they can't. But we just, we got to keep going and we've got to give you a reason to care after your national team gets, whoever your national team is, when they get knocked out. We're not doing our job if you don't see it to the end. And that's the stories, right? Give I mean, you a that, reason to be excited. Those are the individual stories. I mean, that's how you connect, right? When it's yeah. not your team. Very you, much you, so. You focus on that. Who can we, who, how can we make you a fan? And, you know, like the MLS has a ton of players who are playing in this tournament, not for the U.S. national team. Like there's a ton that play in the United States, but, you know, they're not U.S. citizens. They are citizens of other countries. We're born in other countries. Like MLS is probably going to be the biggest winner of this whole experience because they get to tout their stars on all the teams. It's not just, you know, the U.S. team. So what they do will be very interesting after the tournament's over to take the excitement of Copa and funnel it so that they're using the people that you got to know this summer onto their regular teams. And how will they build up that fan base off those new stars that you're going to get to know? 
Uh, it's amazing. Well, hey, thank you so much, Christiane. This has been a wonderful look behind the curtain. And oh, thank you. And we've had a lot of principles that apply not just to sports and fan experience that I think apply to all customer experience. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, please let people know where we can find you on the Internet. Yeah, um, well, on Twitter. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you right now, I tweet a lot about TV. I just, I want to put that out there. Like Wednesday nights, the Americans, I am like, well, so I'm just warning you now. But Love it. Spoiler. You, yeah. I'm, I don't spoil. I'm very, very careful about it. Um, but on Twitter, um, I'm CN Harder. Um, so yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter. I do talk about politics. I do talk about, you know, women's issues and, you know, issues of different. So just, I'm just warning you ahead of time. I can be very entertaining. <laughs> Um, but if you're not, if you don't want to hear about the Americans or Game of Thrones or God, like what else do I watch? Um, you can always mute me on Wednesday nights at like 9 p.m. Just well, we'll make sure that's all in the show notes as well, so people can follow you. We'll we'll put you know a disclaimer there. Please uh, do. But this this was fantastic, and again, I could uh, I really am fascinated by what you're doing, and I wish. All hey, of our teams, lots of luck. Oh, yes. I think I know. It really kills me that someone's going to have to lose, but I, I think it's going to be so much fun. And I really hope, Great. seriously, if everyone can go visit um, ca2016.com, please do. On Twitter, it's ca2016. Um, the mobile app is phenomenally beautiful. And I have to just say, like, our developers, um, Buckwild, based in Sacramento, built our website. And p- most of the genius comes from them thinking socially. Um, the mobile app was done by Punch Kick Interactive in Chicago. Um, and they are a fantastic team um, and do beautiful work. Um, and we would not be in the space we are in if we didn't have such wonderful collaborators. Like their genius and their aesthetic and the way that they think about the fan experience like it was so important to find vendors who really thought about the fan first and not about the sport first. And these guys have been amazing. So just a big shout out to them. Excellent. Well, we love our collaborators too. So thank you for being here with us. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep cheering for all of our teams. Yes. (laughs) Tournament starts June 3rd, this Friday, June 3rd, us versus Columbia on Fox sports. All right. Thank thank you. you, Christian. Bye. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed episode 128 of Crack the Customer Code with special thanks to Audible.com. Don't forget to sign up for your free audiobook and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. And as always, you can see the show notes for this and all episodes. Subscribe and send us feedback at crackthecustomercode.com. And we love your reviews. I'm Jeannie Walters. Stay current on the latest customer experience trends and insights and see my TEDx talk at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam DePort. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.